welcome to the latest Sound Support Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Solomon, and today I'm delighted to be joined by Sean Baker. So Sean is the owner of Peak, which has recently been voted the best gym in South Australia. And Sean's here today to discuss how he's gone from a warehouse all the way through to winning such a prestigious award. So without further ado, it's time to welcome Sean onto the show. So Sean, welcome to the Sound Support Podcast. It's a pleasure to have you here. Thanks so much for having me, mate. It's a public holiday here. I've, uh, I've cleared the kids out of the house. So that uh, I'm all yours. Uh, there's no interruptions. Excellent, mate. Excellent. That's what I like to hear. <laughs> Good stuff. Good stuff. So um, can you give us a quick introduction as to who you are and what you're up to until now? Yeah. So uh, my name's Sean, obviously. I am an ASCA uh, Elite Level 3 coach. Uh, I've done my master's degrees in exercise science and probably for the better part of 13 years now, I've been working in the strength and conditioning industry. And what you'll find is uh, over here, and I'm sure it's probably the same over there as well, is that um, you know, particularly on the way up, a lot of the work that you do is part-time or uh, lowly paid. So lots of irregular hours and you have to find creative ways to, I guess, make a, make ends meet and, uh, you know, to support myself throughout this journey, you know, particularly over the, the 13 years I've done some private work on the side and that's culminated in the creation of the, the Peak Performance Centre. That's P-E-A-Q. Uh, it's an acronym, actually. It's not that I just can't spell so we say periodized, evidence-based, applied, and qualified um, conditioning coaching. Uh, and uh, yeah, really uh, fortunate to be sitting here with you today, mate. Looking forward to having a chat. Excellent, mate. Excellent. And obviously, yeah, this comes off the back of you guys winning a, a pretty prestigious and cool award. So can you take us through that one as well? Yeah, look, very, very grateful for the... Uh, uh, I guess the recognition for a lot of hard work is certainly something that we hadn't anticipated, but um, yeah, about seven days ago, we were just announced as the best gym in South Australia, which uh, yeah, it's really exciting. It's a, a pretty competitive space. We do have obviously the niche of having a bit more of a strength and conditioning based approach to uh, our training and coaching. And uh, a lot of what we do is aimed at athletes of all levels, but certainly we do manipulate that to be appropriate for you know, everyday warriors, um, uh, you know, juniors coming through and, and everything in between. Uh, but yeah, so it's uh, admittedly, my phone has been exploding for the last uh, probably 72 hours. And, and there's been some wonderful opportunities, including, you know, the opportunity to chat to you today. So very, very grateful for that, uh, that recognition. And now it's time to make sure that we continue to live up to those standards. We don't want to get complacent. Uh, and I'm sure we'll talk about it a little bit later as well. It's, it's come at great timing because we are in the process of expanding for the first time too. So uh, thanks for the, the little plug and, and shout out there, mate. I appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. So before we get into all of that fun stuff and like, yeah, how do you uh, structure your sessions and how do you make it um, the best possible gym? Why, why did you get into this? So what, what led you to wanting to create your own gym? You're a strength and conditioning coach. You do some bits on the side. That's a pretty big leap from uh, do some coaching and some PT to I'm going to be a gym owner. So how, how did you make that step and why, why did you think that was a, a, a wise idea? Yeah, it's a really interesting one. And admittedly, I absolutely fell into it. So, you know, as I sort of alluded to, and I, I know we are limited for time, so I won't go through the whole story. But as I sort of talked about before, uh, lots of part-time jobs and roles and internships along the way, uh, maybe over, you know, seven to eight years of that uh, was in football, Australian rules football over here. First of all, starting at Sandful Clubs, which is like a state league level. 
then progressing on to um, AFL level, but again, always working in the, maybe the development aspect or the, the, the next generation pathways and, and so on and so forth. I did a lot of work in cricket as well. The, an opportunity came to work with the Dan Lehman Cricket Academy and um, travelled overseas, so worked in India a few times, which was fantastic. Got to the end of 2018, and I thought to myself, I felt that I'd put in this, you know, this pretty impressive apprenticeship. I'd done all my accreditations, had a master's degree, I'd worked all this time. I felt like I was on the right track. Uh, but as I mentioned before, always, no matter what was going on, was doing some private work out of the side. Some of the some of the uh, instances um, were actually completed at the clubs that I was working with. So there were some pretty flexible options in which I was able to, out of hours of when I was prescribing for the club, have clients come through. In some of those more professional settings, so say for example at Port Power, uh, I certainly wasn't able to bring clients in there. So I, I would subcontract around the corner. Uh, I got to the end of 2018 and I went to my supervisor, um, Ian McCallum, at the uh, at the Port Adelaide Football Club is obviously a, a superstar of a man and I, I keep uh, in contact with today's over with uh, Philadelphia um, in the NHL at the moment. Uh, but I said to him, mate, is there an opportunity for me to try to you know, push a little bit harder and uh, and maybe get something that's a little bit more solid? Uh, I was starting to try to think about a house, uh, a, a wedding, a family. We were still renting. You know, there were times there where I bounced back and lived back with my uh, in-laws. And he said, look, unfortunately, there's just nothing at the moment. It's really great from a, an organisational perspective, but I understand that you know, from a, an individual perspective, it's no good. And admittedly, there's probably you know, aspects of your role that we could move on to interns if we really need to. So I, let, I remember leaving pretty flat, but I was, I was appreciative for his honesty. So then I went out and applied for every job under the sun in, you know, in every country in the world uh, and went through a few processes and, and through some of the connections I'd made through travel, I went down the lines of interviewing for a job in China to work with some basketball in Beijing. I got to the point in which they offered a contract and I guess probably selfishly of myself, I was like, here we go, this is it, my first full-time gig when I head over. But I am fortunate enough to have had a partner since I went to high school, my high school sweetheart essentially. We're married now with a couple of kids. But at that point in time, I went and told her and she just looked at me and she's like, mate, like, I, don't think, I don't think we can do it. Um, so we, we gave ourselves about two weeks to weigh up the pros and cons. Um, and at the end of the day, uh, having reached out to guys like David Joyce and some other you know, highly accredited coaches who have been to China, I heard some mixed stories. Some guys loved it, which was fantastic. Some had some maybe some cultural challenges. And I just imagined um, heading over uh, with my partner, her being cooped up in a room, having sort of no prospects in a non-English speaking country. So... We sort of came to this fork in the roads and said, okay, let's give ourselves two options. We are either going to move overseas for this opportunity or let's try to open our own little private facility. And uh, we took the latter. Uh, and very fortunately uh, enough, you know, obviously with everything that's happened from, a, I guess, a, a success point of view, which has been great, but also knowing that, you know, that was only maybe a year or two before COVID hit. So we might have been in a, a, a sticky predicament if we'd headed over to China um, you know, to work over there too. So I think yeah. everything happens for a reason. So a very, very long-winded answer to your question, but um, we fell into it. So we found a uh, a warehouse on the, the lease and away we went. And what, what does the gym look like now, right? Because it's, it's a great story that how you get to there, <laughs> but like then you, you you just find a warehouse and you're like, oh, I'll throw some gym stuff in it. Like, well, talk, talk to me what the gym looks like now. 
Yeah, look, again, and I'm not going to try to uh, to pretty it up here. A lot of it was just making it up as as we went. I probably was naive, but I'm really glad that I was naive in that sense. I met other people along the way. I'll, I'll give you a, a quick little story. There was a guy that I thought off the top of my head, as soon as we decided we're going to take this sort of pathway, we signed a lease. It was just an empty 400-square-meter warehouse. There's one toilet, um, one office area, and a small mezzanine area. And again, I probably didn't really, I had a rough vision in my mind of what it may look like. But when it came to you know ordering things and, and understanding everything outside of just getting gym equipment on the floor, like cleaning products and getting a coffee machine and all those sorts of things, I was, I was a fair way out of my depth. But uh, anyway, I we signed the lease and I remember reaching out to this S&C coach who I thought was a superstar. He'd just left his role with one of the, sort of the professional teams in Adelaide and maybe was looking for some work. Hit him up on social media and said, mate, um, can we have a chat? I've got a really exciting prospect. Um, I'd love to sort of talk to you about your involvement. He goes, oh, so funny. I wanted to catch up with you too. Great. So we caught up for a coffee, headed down. Uh, he, he goes, uh, all right, who goes first? And I said, no, you go first, mate. So he, opened, he goes, Bakes, I'm going to open up a gym in the Western suburbs. And I just, my jaw hit the ground. I thought, oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. I'm doing exactly the same thing. I came oh. home. So flat uh, to my wife, and I thought I said, you know, this bloke is so much better than me. There's no chance that anybody is going to walk through our doors because he's going to put together a product. But saying that, as amazing as he is, and I still keep in contact with him, he's a wonderful human being. Probably, um, you know, he waited and waited and waited. He, he was well educated in the space, so maybe you know my naivety to just jump straight in has, has been a blessing in some sense. But he never ended up pulling the trigger, um, you know, based on a number of different factors. So, uh, so yeah, my, my naivety certainly uh, assisted in, in that space. But, yeah, it started out with a small amount of equipment. We had maybe three or four squat racks off the top of my head, a set of dumbbells, you know, from ones through to 40s or 50s, uh, a couple of accessory machines. But aside from that, most of it was turf. Well, and I guess the other thing that has separated us a little bit, not that I ever probably intended it to, to be so much of a point of difference, but we sort of put out a vinyl basketball court uh, in this space. When I say basketball court, it's only 20 metres by about 11. But my vision for this was, and my inspiration is when I was working at Port Adelaide Football Club, just outside our office, there was a big grass space and they had uh, a basketball ring there. And every moment of the day that the boys weren't involved in lifting or nutrition or actually training, they were just playing against each other. They were playing one-on-one. They were playing bump. They were you know, just shooting hoops by themselves. And I thought, what a great idea. You know, it's a pretty universal sport. It might just make things a little bit different. You might be able to add some skills into your training. You might be able to, you know, create some uh, some opportunities uh, that are a bit more creative for your athletes to have rest time. You know, go go shoot five free throws in between your sets of squats as opposed to, you know, just sitting down and doing nothing. So we put that in there, um, and also we wanted to utilize that space for like twenty meter sprint, um, yo yo tests, and those sorts of things too. And that was pretty much the crux of it. What we found is that as demand grew. And as our, I guess, our population grew, then we had to continue to add more equipment. So slowly but surely, I added equipment on top on top of that vinyl court. So we started taking portions of away, uh, away from uh, just pure basketball, so that we can actually train in there, real, realizing we're a strength conditioning facility, not uh, not sort of like a, a recreation center. So uh, at the moment, she's pretty jam packed. Um, but uh, as mentioned before, we're building a space that's about four times the size a couple of minutes away and we'll pick everything up and, and move over there in the next couple of months.
Well, I mean, uh, yeah, four times the size is, is pretty big, right? So I can imagine you're going to get a load more people and a load more equipment in there, and it's going to look uh, pretty damn good. But oh, I, I'm, I'm interested to hear how you how you finance this all, right? So if you don't mind me asking, like no, that's absolutely. obviously a big investment on the front end. So do, do, do you go in with hundreds of thousands and you're like, right, family money, let's go? Do you mm -hmm. take a massive loan? Out? How, how do you get the, the, the finances together to do this? Because not everyone can just rock up and be like right making a gym today i mean it sounds like you did it relatively relatively on a budget with a few squat racks mm -hmm. and some dumbbells but even then it's still it's still a pretty big investment right yeah and i'm absolutely always happy to be transparent so there's no questions that are off limit remembering i guess i've just talked about the journey in regards to being in a lot of lowly paid work or just doing you know one-on-one -on -one coaching sessions essentially operating as a sole trader for the vast majority of my income when it came time and we went to the bank to try to get finance for equipment, we got knocked back by everybody. We tried three different financial institutions. And then we started thinking to ourselves like, shit, we're, we're in trouble here. What's going what's to happen? Uh, we tried to exhaust as many options as we could. Uh, and I want to be transparent again in saying that, you know, my parents are wonderful people. Well, I would sort of say they're you know, middle or you know, working class. They, um, emigrated actually over from Birmingham just before I was born. So they're, uh, they're uh, UK um, nationals. Uh, they essentially sort of started from nothing. They had zero over here. Dad worked in factories. Mum worked as you know, a receptionist and then, then did the hardest job in the world and was a stay-at-home mum for a while. So they're by no means well off. But you know, I think that I derive a lot of work ethic from having seen what they've done you know, to, to get to from where they were to where they are now. But essentially, they, they didn't have the money to help us. Like they, they said, look, we would love to help finance and we can't. What we can do, because we've had very stable jobs for, you know, 20 years, we can go to the bank and get finance for you. But like, you've got to pay us back as if it's your loan. So essentially, they went and got one under, under their name for, you know, maybe I reckon it was 60 or 70,000 Australian dollars, to be honest with you. I can't, I can't remember off the top of my head again, um, specifically. And then essentially, we just paid them back um, as a normal loan. So we sort of set, set up our uh, direct debit or sort of, you know, fortnightly transfers just so that they weren't out of pocket. But, you know, they sort of put their necks on the line for us because if we hadn't made it happen, then there'd be a lot of debt. And, uh, and you know, certainly, as I said, aren't, you know, mega rich uh, humans who could have just uh, absorbed that cost. So very, very grateful for them. Couldn't have done it without them. Um, but certainly, we didn't have... You know, that finance sitting there from the start, something that we've had to really work towards now. So thankfully, they're all all paid off. And, and now we're maybe putting ourselves back into a little bit more debt. But we'll we'll take that on our own shoulders now, which is a, a bit nicer. Good, good. I can imagine it's a little bit more of a, a measured risk at the moment that the business is running well and you're doing a good job of it. And you're not, you're not thinking, right, well, if, if it all goes wrong, then I've still got to go and work for 10 years to pay all this back just to, just to have the, the I don't know, the, the bet on yourself, right? Like that's uh, mm. it's an expensive bet, but uh, it sounds like it's paid off at least. Um, when, when you got, right, you got your money together. So parents have sorted you out a little bit. You, you, <laughs> you've got your neck under, under, under the, the guillotine a little bit. And you're like, right, okay, we need to make this happen now. Um, how do you go about then designing a facility? Because you've, you've got your pot of money, you've got your warehouse, you've got your square meters. What's mm. going through your mind when you're like, right, okay, well, what do we need to put in it in order to get people in the door in order to get enough people in so that we can make some money? Mm. 
I guess probably restrictions to start off with in, in terms of your budget that can absolutely manipulate how you're going to set the gym up because I, I knew that obviously I wanted to get as much bang for buck out of the equipment as I could. So say, for example, we had two sets of just your traditional, like we, I think they call it a, a functional trainer or a, a cable crossover essentially. So it's like, you know, just imagine two two cable pulleys that um, you can do crossovers with, tricep extensions. We we had uh, two of those as opposed to having like a, a seated cable row and a lat pull down and, a, you know, all those sorts of things. We didn't have those to start off with. We didn't have even things like leg extensions or hamstring curls to start off with. We were pretty much, for the most part, free weights, bands, um, valve sliders. It's like, what could I get the most bang for buck out of and find a way to manipulate those primary movement patterns um, with the least of amount, uh, amount of equipment uh, possible. And then we progressively added to from there. We absolutely did get some assistance from the, the fit out company. So they certainly give their, give you their ideas as to what's worked well in the past, um, some different sort of set, setups and structures that they've utilized. So you sort of talk to them and say, hey, look, um, we're sports performance is, is mainly our deal. We do, you know, these main, main probably like 10 movement patterns. Um, we pride ourselves on being able to, um, you know, manipulate and adapt those movement patterns to be appropriate for different, you know, levels and abilities. Here's, you know, our, our budget and that will help you sort of, there, there is a bit of back and forth as well. Some of it again was like just throwing it in the facility, seeing what it looked like and how it felt. And certainly for those first few months, there were times where we rearranged. We found maybe there was a funnel of people all going to the dumbbells at one stage and we'd maybe put those over in the corner. So how do we make traffic flow a little bit smoother from there? Or, um, you know, is there... Uh, are our toaster racks all in one area? Can we spread those out around the gym and, and make those more efficient to get to? Lots of things like that, which is a lot of trial and error. Um, again, going into this new space, I've got a, a much clearer idea of the flow. Certainly, again, we've we've had lots of input from our design team or the, the guys that are doing our fit out as well. Um, uh, we're going to be utilizing XB. Uh, and, uh, and yeah, I guess it's just a, a matter of seeing how the community interacts with your facility maybe getting feedback along the way as well. So, you know, just as you would always continue to evaluate your own performance or your athlete's performance in a, in a coaching or uh, in a sporting setting, continue to uh, have a look at, you know, how is your, your gym tracking? You know, what are, what are, what's working well, what's not, what's some of the feedback, what could we do better? What do we need more of? What's not getting utilized as well? You know, do you have a, um, hip thrust station over there that's not getting used because everybody's heading over to the plyo boxes because they find that's more comfortable. Always just making sure your head is on a swivel and, and lots of uh, analysis, you know, as you, as you work your way through it. So um, probably not a, a really clear cut picture because I think it's more of a work in, in progress as opposed to just walking in and saying, Hey, you know, what? I've nailed this straight off the bat. And Obviously, that that leads you into the structure of your trainings, right? So, mm-hmm. it, so it sounds like you've got a kind of a, a little bit of a, right, this is our idea. This is the way we want to train. Um, this is how our gym fits it. Um, we're going to adjust things as necessary because obviously no one gets it right first time. Um, but then how do you structure your training within those boundaries? Because obviously, yeah, you can't just be like, right, we're going to shove in a load of hamstring curls for everyone and then you've got to go buy a hamstring curl machine. So like, what, what, what do you do in terms of uh, sessions and potentially even classes, that kind of stuff to maximize right. 
the enjoyment of the the people who are there and of course yeah you need to maximize profit as well right like you need to to go and eat some food too so how how do you structure those different parts of training yeah so i could probably zoom out a little bit here uh, and let me know if i'm being a bit too broad but we are i guess primarily are a 24 7 facility so uh, our members can key tag in anytime and again that was something that we added to sort of our offering as we went on i, I remember sitting there for the first maybe six months having to be there to unlock the door every time. It was a life-changing moment when people could key tag in. We're a 24-7 facility. We do offer a couple of morning and a couple of evening classes. We have what we call our generalized classes and then also our athlete academy as well. Within those generalized classes, we still start to try to stick to the principles of periodization. I think it's really important if, you are, if you're in a high-performance team or if you are the owner of a business and have a number of coaches underneath you, we're very fortunate that we've been able to grow. We have now 24 staff members, which is both exciting and, and you know, it comes with its own set of challenges too. However, for me, what I wanted to ensure is that whether somebody comes in and is coached by me or comes in and is coached by Chantel or Josh or Zeke or whoever it might be, that absolutely I want those coaches to have their own flair on it. But we do have a very pretty you know, strict set of principles that we do work base you know, all of our programming off of, you know, particularly in a, in a strength setting. So I'm happy to say here because I, I actually came over to the UK in August and presented on a systematic approach to programming at the UK SCA, which was a, a really great experience. But we essentially program the vast majority of all of our programs, we, whether you are a 10-year-old or uh, a 35-year-old cricketer trying to prolong your career. From a lower body perspective, is squat, hinge, lunge and thrust. From an upper body perspective, people say push and pull, but I think that a vertical push and horizontal push are very different to a vertical pull and a horizontal pull. And then from a trunk perspective, um, this is where we have some differing opinions at peak, which is which is great. Some people will flesh this out and say, you know, uh, anti-rotation and anti-lateral flexion and anti-extension. I just will probably generalize that into the brace category, bracing and then rotating. So they're our big 10. Once we've nailed those big 10, depending on how many times the person's coming down per week, then we um, add in the appropriate sort of accessories. So for your hinge, hinge patterns, we want to make sure that that's complemented by some sort of knee-dominant hamstring. For your thrusting patterns, often we like to complement that with some abduction so you get some lateral glute work in there as well and so on and so forth. So that's how we, I guess, um, help to keep consistency across the board. You, you can look around the gym at, at any given moment, pretty much that's what you'll see in some circumstance. From the coach's perspective and flair, uh, is, I guess, using their intuition and their coaching eye to decipher which one of the exercises in that continuum, so out of the squat continuum or the hinge continuum, where does your client or athlete sit in terms of ability, time of season, what they're trying to get out of it as well. So um, that's where, I guess, that consistency and some of that um, that, the, that principle and foundations of what we do comes from. We tie that over into our strength classes as well. And then with our, I guess, our conditioning side of things, Generally, you know, in most circumstances, is starting broader, working on building the tank, uh, a lot more sort of volume-based work with um, a lot of work to not a lot of rest ratio, and then progressively periodizing that down to become shorter and sharper. You know, working into you know one to two and one to three work rest ratios as well. Probably usually over a ten to twelve week block in those more generalized settings. So um, that's probably a, a quick little summary of, of our philosophies. But you know, is uh, a set of parameters and guidelines that we set for our coaches to ensure that whether you're in um, one of the general classes or whether you're doing the, the Athletes Academy or whether 
you've got a program and you're just floating around doing your own thing in 20, you know, 24 seven access that there's some purpose behind it. And I think that again, that's helped to hopefully separate us and provide us with a point of difference because we're very clear cut on, um, you know, where all that programming comes from, as opposed to just doing everything 45 on 15 off. Yeah. Yeah. I can imagine it's, um, it's a little bit of a differentiating factor when you've got a, a, a high performance mentality next to the, the mm. facility to be able to do it right. Like, yeah, uh, I don't know, a boot camp style session's great, but then you might as well be outside enjoying the sun. Um, yeah. Get your kettlebell Absolutely. swings in and, and then go home. Right. Um, nothing wrong with that either, but um, it's a different, different mentality. Um, mm. When, when we take all of this and try to make it practical, right. So I'm, I'm interested to hear like, what a session with you would look like. So you've taken us through the, the general structure. Can you take us through like a specific session, maybe from the warm up all the way through to cool down or conditioning, whatever? Um, what are you going to do if I come into the gym and I'm like, right, I need to get big, strong, or fast? What, what does a session with you look like? Yeah, generally to start off with its uh, initial assessment. And again, each coach has a slightly different spin on what that looks like. But for the most part, we've got our valid force decks, we've got a force frame there. Um, we have uh, timing gates, uh, all the you know all those little specky bits and pieces. And generally, again, we've got a bit of a menu of tests that we go through. For the most part, at the moment, as a, as a generalisation, uh, in most circumstances, I'd say you do a counter movement jump on the force plates for me. You would go through. We used to do a lot of iso mid thigh pulls, but since doing some work with Shane Lahane, um, he was one of my peers in the Asker Elite Level Three, and I've got a lot of respect for for what he does over there in Sydney. Um, we do a lot of like belt squat ISOs now. So we went and invested in the portable uh, sort of setup from Valve. So you put the frame on the floor, you put your plates in. Uh, we take the belt off the belt squat that we have and, and utilize that, which is a, a pretty cool measure. So we're probably just developing some norms there. Then potentially we go into a 20 meter sprint, um, a, a pro agility or a 5.10.5, whatever you like to sort of, uh, I guess, refer to it as. And then generally from there, it may deviate depending on what type of athlete or what your outcome is. We might do some capacity tests. So it might be a body weight, single leg hip thrust to failure potentially on each side and see if there's any uh, asymmetries there. Have a look at you know at what point they start to lose their technique. We might do some supine row um, holds and those sorts of things. Some people do still do you know traditional one RM bench press or bench pull, which may be appropriate. I probably have... Um, deviated away from those a little bit more recently because I guess I'm always looking for how we're going to utilize that information afterwards. Uh, and often I probably, you know, maybe, maybe with some, you know, uh, percentage uh, prescriptions can utilize that, but, but more often than not, we'll won't worry about that too much. And then uh, some sort of uh, capacity test at the end. So that could be, we do, we're pretty fortunate uh, to have a, a running track that's across the road from us as well, which is a sort of a state level running track. So we might head over there and, do a time trial. Some people maybe just do a, a five a five minute all out calorie effort on the assault bike or something like that too. So you do your initial assessment from from there. Then it would be you know moving into you come in. We go through a bit of a ramp warm up in our next session. Generally, you might come in and just roll the legs over on the bike to get the heart rate up to start off with. We go through some activations, and again, it can be very um, dependent on outcomes, dependent on ability. But we might, you might be look, look like the uh, the vertical integration approach. We might do some rated force development stuff to start off with. So maybe you come in and we're doing uh, some box jumps or some um, some chest passes or some sled pushes or some wall drill or something along those lines. Then into your strength block, whatever that might be. We've been playing a lot with some triphasic training recently. 
um, just because, you know, there's a, a reasonable amount of research behind it. There's, it seems to be a reasonably sort of uh, popular, um, uh, you know, training protocol at the moment. And, and also, uh, you know, it's a, it's a great platform for us to be able to, I guess, play around with these principles in, in a private setting so that maybe we can have more confidence in a, in a professional setting as well. So, um, uh, and then, yeah, if we have time, maybe some capacity work at the end. If you're coming in for a group class, it's a very sort of similar setup in terms of you maybe come in and sit on a foam roller or do some activations. Then the coach will call you in. He'll run you through the session on the TV screen, whether that's conditioning, strength, power. And then we'll do a quick little warm-up and sort of jump out into it as well. Those sessions usually are only sort of about 45. And then for our academy, that is like a small group setting with a bit more of a personalized approach. So same again, your first session, you'll go through essentially that testing protocol that we just talked about. Uh, then from every session there onwards, we come in, we do a bit of a group warm-up. It's probably been popularized a little bit like by Athletes Authority in a similar model to that. They do a group warm-up, then everybody breaks out into their individualized programs. On the back end, I'm completely transparent in saying that to make our job a little bit easier, we have sort of six subgroups based on age and ability. And then what we generally do based on the testing data is you know, allocate somebody into that subgroup and then make the individual adaptations to that just so that we're not having to write that completely new program every single time. Same again, we think that the foundations or 80% of the program um, that, uh, that we're implementing with most people will be you know, those big 10, just understanding which of those variations and then maybe you may um, maybe are working on more horizontally orientated force production if you're working with a track athlete as opposed to a netballer, for example, and so on and so forth. So they're probably the three main ones. The first one I talked about there was one-on-ones. Second one was group classes. And third one was the Athletes Academy. Absolutely excellent, mate. I think that's a really interesting insight into how you've made it all work from from the beginning all the way through to the specifics as to, to how you've got yeah, a good client base now and how you can then obviously take it onto the next level in a new facility. So, sure, massive thanks for your time and effort today. Where can find, people find a little bit more about you and uh, where you're up to or what you're up to? Yeah, thank you. So from a business perspective, if you uh, jump on Instagram, uh, it's Peak uh, Performance, so P-E-A-Q Performance. If you head on to uh, Facebook, it's just Peak uh, CC, uh, or you just type in P-E-A-Q and usually you'll, you'll find us pop up. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn as well, so if anybody wants to have a chat, reach out, ask any questions, always here, always an open book. I love to collaborate with people, and I think that that's sort of the, the future of the private sector is making sure that we share you know, everything we've got and the professional sector as well is continue to share knowledge, share experiences, and it's only going to help to lift the private sector, particularly in Australia as well. So please always reach out, guys, always here to help. And thank you so much for the opportunity, mate. I hope uh, um, it's been valuable and, and hopefully I haven't rambled on too much as well. No, absolutely. It's been, uh, it's been fantastic, mate. So thank you for your time and effort and look forward to speaking again soon. Thanks, mate. And that's it. Once again, a massive thanks to Sean for all of his hard work on today's podcast. I really enjoyed it. I'm sure you did at home too. Before you leave, I'm going to point you in the direction of the Science of Sport Coach Academy. My Coach Academy is an overgrowing library of sports science courses, which are broken down into bite-sized chunks. So if you've enjoyed today's podcast and you want to get your hands on some more great sports science information, all you have to do is hit the link in the show notes and you can get into the Coach Academy completely free for the next seven days. What's more, every time you complete one of the courses, you get a certificate of completion to prove your ongoing education. And of course, if you have enjoyed today's podcast, it'd be fantastic if you could recommend us to a coach, a colleague, an athlete, or a friend. That means that we can keep bringing the best possible guests and the best possible content. 
And that's it. Once again, a massive thanks from me and Matt Solomon for Science of Sport. And I'll speak to you next week.